0: Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, an audio postcard from Mississippi as residents react to the presidential debate.
3: One thing that they did not talk about so much in this debate that I would like to hear more on was the foreign policy side of it. But I'll say this. On issues of trade and economic policy, I thought they actually got into a real substantive debate, which was surprising in a good way. Then two
0: experts from both sides of the political aisle analyze how the candidates did. And a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on finding the strength to leave. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Audition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippians are reacting to last night's presidential debate. After Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump squared off, voters in the state digested what they were hearing and tried to decide who had won the debate. MPB's Desiree Fraser talked to many Mississippians last night after the debate ended. She came back with this audio postcard of their reactions.
3: My name is James. James Tolk. I mean, look, we go over these you know, issues in pretty much every class. One thing that they did not talk about so much in this debate that I would like to hear more on was the foreign policy side of it. But I'll say this. On issues of trade and economic policy, I thought they actually got into a real substantive debate, which was surprising in a good way because a lot of times in the Democratic and Republican primaries, both. In those debates, I felt like they kind of stayed away from the substance, and this one felt a lot more serious, a lot more uh, substantive, and Trump was a lot more docile and reserved, but in a good way, because he was very articulate. I think he clearly won, and I think he was able to get his point across in a very articulate and reserved way without going so much for the personal attacks. What really stood out to me was the, uh, the consistency with which Hillary continuously lobbies the same type of attack against Trump and vice versa to an extent. But I think really just the tone of it, the tone of the debate itself, was a lot more uh, serious, professional. And, you know, it makes sense because, of course, we're in the the big leagues now. It's no more primary. This is the real deal.
4: Omar Peters. It kind of met my expectations. I expected Trump to do better than what people, political pundits, thought he was going to do. I thought he was going to be a little bit more docile. I thought he was going to be controlled tonight. I thought Mrs. Clinton, Mrs. Clinton, is an experienced debater. She is an experienced politician. She's an experienced activist. She knows how to deal with the media. She knows how to deal with herself on a stage. So I had high expectations for Mrs. Clinton. She went under my bar, but my bar for her was set high because of her experience. I don't think we have a clear winner. I do see Clinton possibly getting a bump in the polls. But I think Trump did very fine for himself. And I think people are going to make a good look at Trump and see for themselves who really won this debate and who's going to win this election. But I do edge with Mrs. Clinton. really don't think there was no clear one.
5: Nia McKnight. He was kind of, in my opinion, disrespectful to Hillary and the moderator. Like he was respectful of the time, the time limit he was supposed to have um, stayed in. He went over the time. Um, He didn't let Hillary speak most of the time, so he was still trying to force his opinion on everything. Um, I say that she is trustworthy about everything because people have their own opinion. It's about what you bring to the plate and how you deal with it. So she's been playing it cool with the debate and everything, so that's why I say she's the best candidate for president. I feel as though he really doesn't care about African Americans and the other races from the comments that he's made, and I feel as though Hillary really cares about us as being blacks and what we're going through in the world. Like what she said with the guns, like if if the person has like a mental problem or whatever, they
2: don't need the guns at all. Just, they just helping us out. Amy Jones. I just thought Hillary had so much more substance that she brought to the table. Tr- Trump, the only direct policies that I can think of that he mentioned were stop and frisk and lowering taxes on the wealthy. And other than that, it just seemed like noise. (laughs) Just a lot of talking and no real substance. I think that we saw with the Bush administration that that doesn't really work. And uh, before Clinton's administration, when we had taxes on the wealthy at almost 90%, um, that you know that being too high, and I feel like we need to find a middle ground between extreme tax cuts for the wealthy and extreme taxes on the wealthy. If you look at the demographics of America, especially young people, so many of us are poor, struggling to get through college with student debt, and uh, as inflation has risen, I feel like it's only fair that minimum wage raises with that.
6: Will Earnhardt? I would have to say Trump. Uh, Hillary looked really tired and really disassociated. Two things, uh, tax reductions and uh, less regulation in the economy. And The second thing was he clearly has a stronger stance uh, as far as foreign policy is concerned. Maybe he doesn't have foreign policy per se himself, but he knows the people that do. He mentioned the admirals, everyone backing him, and it just common sense. Uh, like, he, like he said perfectly in the debates, the experience Hillary's bringing is bad experience. Absolutely. I think it's no problem Uh, with the reductions in taxes, bringing businesses back. uh, You know, they talk about adding to the debt. The only way that they add to the debt, if you're reducing taxes, is if government stays the same size. And he's repeatedly said he's cutting government. So I think absolutely. The uh, jobs lost in government translate to private sector jobs.
0: MPB's Desiree Frazier talking with Mississippians about their thoughts on last night's debate. Up next, two experts from both sides of the political aisle analyze how the candidates did. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. After last night's presidential debate, the first of three between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, many are still trying to figure out who won. But like many things in politics, that decision doesn't necessarily come easy. With us this morning in the studio with analysis are Republican Austin Barber and Democrat Brandon Jones. Both are active in their respective parties, and we call on them from time to time to give us insight on the political process. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. First question. We'll start with you, Brandon. Both of you get the question. Who won? Clinton. Pretty clearly.
7: I I think by any objective metric, she um, passed those tests that you look for in these televised debates in terms of presentation and demeanor, Um, did a good job of not getting baited. On the other hand, did a great job of baiting Trump. I thought Trump gave a strong 20 minutes. I'm sure that his uh, proponents were very pleased with the way he came out forceful on trade. But as the debate wore on, he became more agitated and I think started to wander off into places that weren't exactly in his forte. And so Clinton was able to maintain some consistency, get out the points that she wanted to get, avoid some of the pitfalls that have dogged her through the course of this campaign and have a good night. Austin who won.
1: Yeah. See, I look at the, a little bit differently, Brandon, the ultimate metrics of who won and who didn't win. Did you bring more voters to the table for you? Um, and I, and, I, and I think Hillary did a, a pretty good job of of probably trying to lock down the African-American vote and reaching back out and trying to do better with millennials. But look, I think who won, I think it's pretty close to being a, a tie. I thought Donald Trump did really well in the first 20 minutes. As the debate war, uh, went on, I thought he didn't do as well. So it's, it's a little more difficult to, to, for me to give a clear win to Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump.
0: Was either performance enough to gather votes from the undecided voters?
1: Austin? Um, No, not yet. I mean, I think undecided voters are going to stay undecided, you know, probably up until the week before the election, um, because neither one of these candidates have the favorable-type numbers that are so well-liked that that they're able to draw in undecided voters right now.
0: This election has, has really narrowed in terms of who has the lead and who doesn't. Brandon, do you think this debate makes a difference?
7: In poll numbers? They typically don't. I mean, you you typically need something very striking to happen during the debate to see a lot of movement. And I I just have to say, we mentioned this elusive, undecided voter. My goodness, who are these people? We've had decades of looking at Trump and Clinton. The idea that there are 18% of the voting age population that can't make a decision in this race is stupefying to me. I'm sure that both campaigns are sitting back and saying, at this point— I don't know how we move them.
1: Yeah, you know, I thought one of the things that Trump did very well last night was, you mentioned we've had decades. He talked about Hillary Clinton has been in public office or had – um, you know, a lot of Terrific. authority for, for, yeah. for 30 yeah. years. He did a really good job with that. One of the things that I was surprised that he did miss on, and I think it's because he just didn't prepare enough, and I think he readily admitted he did not hit these core issues. He didn't bring up the Clinton Foundation. He didn't bring up the email uh, situation. He didn't bring up Benghazi, and he didn't bring up more his core issue of we're going to fix the border, we're going to fix the immigration issue, and I'm going to build a wall. And I think he didn't do those because he was having, I thought Lester Holt had a pretty bad night. He was having to deal with his own issues with Lester Holt. But when you were a prepared candidate, you were able to pivot. What, what do you, to,
0: go back to Lester Holt? What do you, what do you mean? I thought Lester Holt
1: did not, I thought Lester Holt hit the two issues that Trump didn't want to talk about, which was, um, Barack Obama's birth certificate and, um, what was the other issue? Though? Tax Just, returns. And, and tax returns. He did not go to Hillary on Benghazi. He did not go to Hillary on the on the Clinton Foundation. And so, but Trump is a candidate. You've got to be prepared. You've got to do, you know, 10 different mock debates where the moderator doesn't do that in a mock debate. And you pivot and hit on those issues that you want to. And, you, of course, you hit on your signature issue, which is, I'm going to go build a wall.
0: You know, there you hear from many um Analysts or, or experts who say those undecided voters lean towards younger people who were Bernie Sanders followers, and at this point, it's a matter of
7: getting them to vote at all. Brandon, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, there, there's probably a lot of truth to that, and, and let's we have to be honest on both parties. These candidates have not set the room on fire, so to speak. I mean, they haven't. We do not see the type of excitement that we've seen around certain campaigns. What you see this time around, a little bit more so than in the past, is more of a repulsion towards the other candidate than you see, you know, a propulsion towards your person.
0: There are two other candidates uh, who we did not see last
7: night, Jill Stein and Gary Johnson. She's well, going to have to stop getting arrested and Gary's going to have to stop saying <laughs> Can either
0: things. of them make a difference in the result of this election? <laughs>
1: oh yeah, they certainly can and I think Evan McMullen is another candidate who's pro- who's you know a Mormon who's running in places like Utah and so forth. But look, this election is about who can go win the electoral college. I thought Donald Trump was really smart in how he focused his economic message in the very beginning, he's talking to white voters in the Rust Belt who's who either worked at a factory at one point in time or whose daddy or mama worked at a manufacturing plant, which are now in Mexico or in China. And he says, I'm going to bring those back. It didn't matter that he didn't give a lot of specifics about that. But I thought that was brilliant. I, 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 I would give him that it was brilliant that he's thinking Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. He's got to win Ohio. To become president, of the he's United got
7: states. to. Hey, Karen, you mentioned the third-party candidates. Colorado is going to be the place where they loom largest. Right now, they're getting about a ten percent share of the vote. Um, that's enough to affect a state like Colorado, and that's that is one of those states that we look at as being a state that Clinton has to have. Um, there's no question that trade was his strongest part of the night. There's no question that the thirty year in public service, what have you done, was a strong moment for him. Um, The thing that I would be concerned about if I was a Trump team moving forward, Austin, is those things that you mentioned. Uh, He didn't bring up Benghazi. He didn't stay on the emails. He brought it up shortly, but didn't stay on it. Um, And then there were some of these, the Clinton Foundation. I think the problem is going to be the same problem perhaps we saw with Obama in that first debate last time around, where you try to force those things in. And I don't know what it's going to look like optically for Donald Trump to be more aggressive than he was last night. I'm not sure that's going to be a winning move for
1: him. Yeah, It's a, it's a tough situation. Look, here's the, the, the big takeaway is the, the, the race really didn't change a whole lot. I think maybe she solidified herself a little bit there's been a lot of momentum for Donald Trump in the polls. I mean just it's it's very clear go look at any poll. Um but I I mean I, I don't he certainly did not do anything to disqualify himself. She certainly did not do anything to to win the election last night. We've got two more debates. Uh the second one will be very interesting. I think he will come after her a little bit more hot. Uh, out of the gate on the second one. So we'll see how she handles that.
0: Focusing on Mississippi a little bit, uh, a lot of problems in Mississippi, joblessness, low income, uh, native sons and daughters leaving for greener pastures. What was in that debate from either candidate for Mississippi
7: voters? Brandon? You know, we have to confess that immigration moves the needle in Mississippi. And so Donald Trump's statements about borders and those statements that have made some of us kind of recall have been very good for him in Mississippi. You heard some of these young students at Mississippi College talking about the things that move them. Clearly, Trump is somewhat custom made for this particular moment in Mississippi politics. And so, look, he's um, he's speaking and resonating with that population of Mississippi that wonders why we're not doing better economically and thinks it might have something to do with us keeping others out. Anything to
1: add to that? Yeah, I don't think there was anything specific for a Mississippi voter to be affected more than a voter from Virginia or Vermont. Um, But I I think, you know, jobs and economy is always the number number one biggest issue. And that's what he's trying to hit on. He's also trying to disqualify her as someone who's been in this space for 30 years and has accomplished, you know, very little. Um, So, you know, we'll see.
7: Brandon, what does Hillary Clinton have to do from here? to get more votes. But it, well, I like how I like how Austin slipped in has accomplished very little. Probably the most accomplished person we've had ever to run for this office. It gets lost because her her team has not handled expertly some of these moments quite as well as they should have. What she has to do, I think, is a lot of what she did last night. She kind of stepped back and let some of this stuff breathe. She allowed Donald Trump to be Trump, and I still think that's a winning strategy. And she also did not try to speak too heavy-handedly to this demographic that seems to be resonating with Trump. If you'll notice last night, she seemed to be speaking to her voters and to draw out the folks who they think they have a real shot at. I think that's a good winning strategy. We're almost out of a, time, a, and so you, go, you get the last
1: word, Austin. She's an awful candidate. You know that. She can't connect with people. She can't resonate with people. I mean, yeah, she, she's, she's got a, a really deep resume, but if she was a good candidate, she'd have won this race in August. What,
0: what, what does Donald Trump have to do from here on um,
1: out? He, he's got to figure out a way to expand the electorate. He really does. He's, he's sort of this high-risk, high-reward, trying to reach out to African-Americans. Can he go get college-educated white voters? That is what he's got to do.
0: Republican Austin Barber, Democrat Brandon Jones, thank you both for coming in. Uh, Up next, a story card conversation from Mississippi on finding the strength to leave. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
6: Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. You have the right
1: to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law.
5: Hi, I'm Sherita Brent. On In legal Terms, the focus is always you and your rights. From Miranda rights to civil rights, our legal experts will inform you of your right to do or not to do according to the law. Join us Tuesday mornings at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPV Think Radio.
1: When Mississippians enter the StoryCorps booth, sometimes the stories they have to share are difficult ones. That's the case here. Audie Welsh is talking to her daughter, Karen, and they're talking about when relationships turn bad and about the strength it can take to leave. I married
8: Mark when I was 18 years old. I met Mm -hmm. him. We we dated actually for three years before we married. I met him at 14. 14? You never told me that. We dated for three years and uh. We got married, and my relationship with Mark was very, very good. I love Mark very much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, life, people change. We change. Mm-hmm. And um came to a point where Mark was not good for me. Mark was very dominant, and I was a real strong-willed person. Mm-hmm. And for someone to be that dominant over you is just not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I really, I think the main reason you're, you're, Mark and I are not together is because I didn't want my children raised in a home.
9: Mm-hmm.
8: with was such a dominant person. My relationship with my mother was all about love. It wasn't right. about, you know, being dominant mm-hmm. over someone. Like
9: and, I, and I remember, you know, what I do remember of Dad, that I was always afraid. Right. I was always afraid of doing something wrong. And we were all under this cloud. It felt like to me as a child that we were all under a cloud of fear, including you. It It felt like Mark did suppress... That confidence and self-love that you had he did. and you know that relationship was 13 years long it was it was a long one how did you manage to get through that time having somebody so
8: well at the very beginning it wasn't mm-hmm. like that right but then when it turned to where the relationship was not good anymore mm-hmm. I was never ever gonna live up to anything that he had set goals for me Mm -hmm. and I knew it would be like that with the children I guess what really made me be able to walk out of that relationship because I didn't I did not want my children to grow up in that atmosphere
9: right it was poisonous I don't know how much you know about how we felt but it was poisonous we were always afraid
8: well I I didn't I didn't know how y'all felt but I was I felt that a lot longer than y'all did right of course I mean Mm -hmm. and it took a lot for me to overcome what he Mm -hmm. had the way he treated me mm-hmm. those years, no. it's just by the grace of God,
9: I still think that it has a bit of a legacy on you and the way you feel about yourself. Just that whole toxic situation. Well, everything, everything
8: in life is going to mm-hmm. mold you to who you are. Right. Everything you do, from mm-hmm. the day you're born to the day you go to you know be mm-hmm. with the Lord, they are molding you to the person you grow. You know, I mean, you are. Right. But if I never met Mark, I wouldn't be the person I am now. Right. So I don't regret ever marrying your Mark. I never regret that. Like I said, that's the reason I'm who I am now.
9: Mm -hmm. So let's see. Well, first of all, I just wanted to let you know that now that I'm a grown-up, I just want to say I really respect the strength that you found to leave Mark because I know after having my own child and being in my own toxic relationship that um, it takes a lot of strength when you have three children and not a lot of education to walk away from that not knowing how you're going to take care of your kids so i just want you to know that i really admire that strength and i hope that i have the same you know
8: strength comes from how you raised. i mean when Mm -hmm. i was my mother i never felt insecurity i never felt Mm -hmm. i knew that nothing was ever going to happen to me because she was there she was my secure Mm -hmm. she was my security and then i had that in me and then your dad just just kind of tore that down, but it is still within. It was still within me,
9: mm-hmm.
8: and that's one thing I I know that I've instilled within my children is that you go after your dreams. Mm-hmm. You succeed at them, mm-hmm. and the great greatest thing that I could really pass on to my children is love. Right? You know the love, unconditional love, family love, just love. Mm-hmm. But you got to go after your dreams. If you don't, you you, you hadn't reached for anything. You know.
1: To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps Mobile Tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
7: Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This
0: is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's capital city is the newest member of the U.S. Justice Department's Violence Reduction Network. MPB's Paul Boger has more.
1: The Violence Reduction Network, or VRN, is a federal program designed to provide support and strategies to help lower a city's violent crime rate. The initiative teams local law enforcement up with the Department of Justice resources like the FBI, the U.S. Marshals Service, and the Drug Enforcement Administration to provide training and assistance tailored to each city's specific needs. In a statement, Jackson Mayor Tony Arbour says, quote, Joining the VRN will support our efforts to continue to reduce crime numbers and strengthen our community alliances by utilizing proven best practices, end quote. In all, 14 cities, including Jackson, are participating in the program. All of them have crime rates higher than the national average. Paul Boger, MPB News.
0: Coming up after Mississippi edition, it's Money Talks in Legal Terms and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. It's easy. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. I'm Robin Young. After months of campaigning, the conventions, attacks, counterattacks, the nominees for president finally square off. Will the 15 to 20 million American voters who said they were undecided going into the debate make up their minds? That's next time on Here Now.
1: Today at noon on MPB Think Radio.
7: It's Marketplace Tech.